So we are diving in this, uh, this morning to the fourth and last week of Advent. Uh, Reynolds told you this is the season of the Advent of love. Advent is just a really nice word that means arrival, right? That's the word that you primarily use. You don't use Advent very often, probably, so we'll use the word arrival. It's the arrival of love. And we've talked for the past previous three weeks about just the arrival of hope. The hope that Jesus, if he came, he will come again. We want to live our lives prepared as if he is coming tomorrow. We want to, we celebrate, right, the arrival of peace and the coming of Jesus. That that now is something that belongs to you. We celebrate the arrival of joy in the context, this deep inner contentment because of the work of Jesus, whether in times of need or in times of plenty, we have joy, a deep sense of contentment because of Jesus in your life. And this week we want to talk about the arrival of God's love. Now, I'm going to begin here. I was talking this week at lunch uh, with my friend David Eldridge. A lot of you know him. He's the pastor at Stonebridge, one of the churches in our network of churches. And we were talking about some things that were just going on uh, in our churches and the lives of our people. And I'm going to share with you something that I told him. And then we discussed for a little while. And it kind of lead us into Advent. And I'm going to be honest with you. It's a little, it's like a kind of a, like a different intro into the arrival of love. I'm sure no one else is going to do this across the world today. But it's something I felt like God was speaking in the moment for vintage. And I said this, and I want you to hear this. I believe the greatest assault... On the church today is the spirit of rejection. I'll say it again. I believe the greatest assault on the church today is the spirit of rejection. People live in a shadow of rejection, of abandonment, and as hard as they try, they just don't feel like people know them or that people care. Like, you know what I do in my life. I live talking to people. I live having conversations. I live praying for people. Sometimes people think I'm incredibly discerning with this great word of knowledge. Because I look at them and go, are you struggling with the spirit of rejection? Has something like X happened? You're like, oh my gosh, how did you know? I'm like, because we all do, right? I think if we literally took time. And we were to take a journey into the unknown and unseen recesses of people's hearts and minds. I believe one thing we would find in more people than you would ever imagine is this fear and a belief that they aren't worthy of love, that they are unlovable, and that no one really loves them or cares for them, that they then view life through the lens of this rejection that they've experienced, if we're honest, at the hands of parents, of spouses, of children, of friends, of co-workers, of neighbors, extended family. And maybe for some of you who had unmet expectations of Jesus, maybe you literally are struggling with this rejection from Jesus himself. Like I pause in the moment because my fear is that we just, in this season of busyness, I know Christmas Eve is away, your brain just immediately goes off this way. I want to ask you to take every thought captive this morning that would chase you away from the message that God's trying to speak this morning. I want to encourage you to focus. 
Obviously, when we talk about rejection, there are hundreds, hundreds of layers to this issue, as in that every single person has their own life experience, their own reality. But one, but one piece of it, what I believe is the starting point of healing for all 100 layers and hundreds of layers, is the focus of this week of Advent. The answer begins with the arrival of love in Jesus. Like, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic here, right? I really do believe, and this is my own personal story. I'll get to that a little later. But my own personal story is that this idea of conquering rejection, this idea of abandonment, of being unlovable, people not caring, it begins in this place of believing in the arrival of love in the person of Jesus in the context of my life. This awakening. You see, I believe in this season that when we talk about Advent, we talk about the arrival, it is a recognition. It's a recognition of what's already true about you who know Jesus. Because he's in your life, hope is already present. Because Jesus is in you, joy is already present. Because Jesus is in you, peace is already present. And because Jesus is in you, it's the recognition, yes, that love is present in our life. But more so for all of us, I see Advent as being a season of invitation. It's an invitation that we can make to Jesus to come in a more powerful way to make his arrival more clear and true than we've ever experienced it before in the context of saying, Jesus, would you bring an awakening? Jesus, we have you, but we want to know you more. And that's the season. This is a season of the arrival. We recognize these things are true, but God, we want to know them more. We want them to come more alive inside of us, Jesus. We want you, God. Do we want our hearts and our minds to be awakened to what is true? Because we want more of Jesus. That's the season we're in. And we talk about these layers of rejection. I believe that the beginning point for us is saying, Jesus... Would you awaken us to the arrival of your love? Arguably, the greatest summation of the advent or the arrival of love in all of Scripture is 1 John 4, 7 through 11. He alludes back to John three sixteen, which Randall talked about this morning. But I want to read it to you this morning. I encourage you to follow along the screen. You can follow along in your Bibles if you have them. Starting in verse 7, it says this. Tenderly, dear friends. Dear friends, let us love one another for love. It comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but That he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice or a sacrifice that makes us one with him. An atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
So when you talk about the nature of love, and you've probably studied it, seen it in the Greek, there's all different kind of levels and types of love. You have eros love, which is erotic love. You have philo love, the kind of Philadelphia idea of brotherly love. But you also have what's specific to God, which always describes his love for us, is the understanding you've heard at the word agape, right? Agape love. And we talk about agape love, we have to recognize that agape love is specific to God, right? In agape love, it's the form that's always used to describe God's love for humanity. In it, agape always takes action steps towards us, and it's always unselfish. It seeks our highest good, no matter the cost to himself. There's a sacrifice behind it, right? Agape is ultimately his expression of goodwill towards a person, regardless of emotion, regardless of attraction, or the deserving nature of the person that he's giving it to. Agape was the laying down of Jesus' life. Why? Simply because it was what was best for humanity. He didn't lay his life down because you earned it. He didn't lay his life down because you did the right thing. Like, oh my gosh, that's really cool. I'll go ahead and lay my life. No, he laid his life down. He said, there's no other way. I'm going to sacrifice myself because that's what I do for the goodwill of those whom I love, right? So I will sacrifice and lay my life down. What I want you to see is this, and this is the, this is the, the heartbeat, agape. It is the opposite of rejection. Agape, the selflessness, the self-sacrifice, the giving of oneself, regardless of who you are, what you've done, what you look like. It is the opposite of rejection. It's the answer. It is the answer to what I believe is the greatest assault on the church today. Our understanding of the arrival of love, our understanding of the nature of agape love that God has for humanity, has for you. It is the answer to rejection. It is what we need to engage to withstand and to have victory over the greatest assault on the church today, or at least what I believe, in my opinion, is the greatest assault on the church today. With that in mind, let me share a few thoughts or truths about this subject and around the Scripture that we would do well to at least chew on and at best begin to accept and to dive into. The first thing that I want you to see is that love This agape, this true source of love, it comes from God. Love comes from God. Here's the deal. Please listen. Don't just over, don't kind of bypass looking at this because you're like, well, of course God is love. No, I I want, I'm inviting you, encouraging you. Would you hear this today as the answer to every single one of your friends who is struggling with rejection, who continually over and over and over lives under that shadow that suppresses them and keeps them from being who they're called to be and is always talking and always think the world's against them, always think that everyone's out to get them and always thinks that no one really likes them and they're always on the outside. Do you know anyone like this? All of us should go, yes! Love, agape, that destroys the shadow of rejection comes from God. That is the simple yet profound end of the first sentence in verse 7, right? It says, and love comes from God. And the rest of the verses simply build on Jesus' statement. All the traits 
associated with love. When I say love, agape love, self-sacrificing love, do you have words that come to mind, traits that seemingly you would use to define that type of love? Like, think about that. Say, love, what comes to mind? When I just said that, I literally just wrote down these things. It's boom, 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 boom. Patience, kind of long-suffering. There's just a patience and a long-suffering that comes with this type of love. There's a kindness and a tenderness, right? There's an acceptance. You're not necessarily perfect. Like, like I hope you all know that you're not perfect. You make mistakes. There are things that you do that may break relationship with you and somebody else, but it never breaks your relationship with God because he loves you and accepts you even in the midst of your brokenness. In this, there's a level of peace. In my relationship, I don't know about you, but I like relationships where peace and joy are the defining characteristics of our relationship together. And that's what I see in the context of true love. It's like, yes, you're imperfect. We're growing you and maturing you, but I love you where you are. There is peace and there is joy in the context of our relationship together. Oh, to know the conviction to know the conviction of these words in the heart and the mind of Jesus when he said them. Like, you know what I mean? You know how when you're around people and, and they say things and there's just, it's like, there's such a deep inner conviction of, of joy and peace. It's like my girls. There have been moments. There have been moments with them where I, I was looking and this one of them was like, God, this mom, dad, I just love you. And I play the game like, well, what do you love about us? Right? I just want to hear. They're like, ah. And when they can't put into words. Right? I don't, I don't know. It just, it wasn't mean. They just feel it on the inside. Right? There's this, this thing on the inside we can't put our finger on, but we know it to be true. Right? And I'm like, that's awesome because I get it. That's what Jesus is feeling. It's not just, hey, I'm going to say, right, that God is love because I know it in some distant connection point. No, I, I know it with the very core of my being. This deep inner conviction in the mind of Jesus, right? He said them because they flowed from the core of his deepest, deepest convictions in life. He believed them, he felt them, he lived them, and now he shared them. God, you have to know, is the source of love. Therefore, and hear this, God is the answer to the shadow of rejection. God as love, hear this right here, God as love is the answer to our shadow of rejection, which leads to the second truth we see in verse 8. So up here, love comes from God, therefore we must know God. We must know God. I want you to look at the two phrases linked together. I'm going to kind of combine them very simply here in verse 7 and 8. It says, everyone who loves knows God. So everyone who agapes other people is because they know God. Whoever does not agape does not know God. So real simple, you see it right here. Don't overthink it, right? Don't over-Greek syntax it. Don't ever over-theologize. Just take for what it says. Everyone who agapes is because they love God and they know God, right? Everyone who agapes knows God and those who don't agape is because they don't know God. So the idea is this. It's all about knowing God. Love. Listen, only way we intimately experience love is by entering into relationship with Jesus, our original step with him, and then our actual continued act of knowing God on an everyday basis. It's a journey. 
I know him. I knew him. I know him and I'll know him forever. Right. The Greek word here is gnosko. Everybody say gnosko. You are now a Greek whiz. Right. And so gnosko, it's this deep, intimate word for knowledge. It's not talking about I know from a distance, but I know personally. So for those of you who, who really don't know my wife, but you kind of know her from a distance on stage, like I know her in a very much more rich and deeper sense. Like we go home together and we talk and she shares everything going on in her life, things I want to know and things I don't really want to know. Right. Let's know everything. That's just the nature of marriage, right? He's sharing all this stuff. It's an intimate knowledge. And Jesus is talking here saying, listen, we must know God. Everyone who loves has the gnosko of God, an intimate knowledge, a moment of salvation, a journey with him here, and then eternity of always learning and engaging him. And so when we say we must know God, we're talking about we must journey into a deeper and richer knowledge of him every single day. God is love, therefore we must know God. We must give ourselves to the richness of engaging here with him. Which then leads to this part. The reason we do this because... God loves us. So it's one thing like to know that God is love, but it's another thing to know, well, God loves us. God agapes us. God is self-sacrificing in the context of his relationship with me, where regardless of, of what I do and what I look like and how I act and anything I could have, quote unquote, earned, he just gives himself to me, is compassionate, long-suffering towards me, intimate, right, just bringing peace and joy. Verse 10 says, this is love. Not that we did something, not that we loved God, but that God loved us through his sacrifice. Like this is a verse you do want to read because this verse kicks rejection in the teeth, tells it to leave and to never come back. It is this verse, hey, that God loved us through his sacrifice. The the sense of being alone, the sense of being isolated, the sense of being unworthy. God says, no, no, no. I have loved you through my sacrifice. It is true for you today. God tells us that he is willing to accept us, the opposite of rejection, by loving us through the death of his son. You are accepted. He says, listen, you're imperfect, but I've made a way to accept you. My son, Jesus, who I have sacrificed. You know the familiar John 3.16, Randall alluded to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him, they would not perish, but they would live for him and live with him for eternity. God loved the world, so he sacrificed himself. When? When I earned it? No. We know from Romans 5, 6, and 8. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We're like, that's me. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. For us, 
He agaped us. All of this tells us when we were unworthy, unlovable, and rejected, Jesus loved us, accepted us, fought for us, and sacrificed himself. When we were in opposition, living in sin, he agaped us. He did not reject us. The understanding the marriage of these three truths is the starting point for defeating rejection in our life. I believe love comes from God. I know God because God loves us. God loves me. That's the beginning point. Listen, let's just press pause. Like I, I've walked with people through massive rejection in their life. And I'm not saying, so just believe that and then you're good to go in life. No, it is a journey a lot of times through, through issues from my past, issues with my parents, issues with my loved ones, right? There are many times a long journey, but for every single one of us, the starting point is I have to know that I'm loved God. I have to know God and I have to know that he loves me because that's the starting point. That's where the shadow of rejection begins to be broken. Chains come off when I begin to dive into this reality so I can actually begin to journey into his presence. We go in, we go to the enemy's camp and we take back what he stole from us. And then on the way out, we kick him in the teeth. It's so good. Watch this. I'm loved by God. Can't take me no more. Uh, 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 right? We live in the reality of how he feels about us. Therefore, as I see the three different types of people in the world and the way they engage this message, man, there are just those who believe. There are those who believe. There are those who reject. And there are those who struggle. Those who believe, super simple, man, like grab hold of this, like, yes. I'm awesome because he's awesome. I'm loved because he loves me. Like I'm walking in this. Yes, difficulties come. People are mean. We don't. Listen, when I live in this place, it doesn't mean that I don't sense and feel rejection from people, right? Jesus was rejected again. In fact, I don't know know this or not, but Jesus is still rejected every day by people. But he looks such a confidence of who he is belonging to Father that that does not overwhelm him. He's never defined by that rejection because he knows who he belongs to. And so we believe that, right? We've surrendered our life, our will to Jesus, and now we live in the shadow of the Almighty. We live in the shadow of the Almighty, right? Almighty, every day, confident of His love, confident of His acceptance, confident that He is daily walking with us, and confidence that He's going to come again, because why would He leave me here and not come back? And then we have those who reject. I already named it, right? We know from Scripture that eternal life is a gift of God for those who believe. But those who do not believe, well, they've rejected this gift, and we are told they do not no love. Yes, they know a form of love, right? But they don't know the depth of love, the agape that what's found in Jesus. Some people we know are walking in darkness. They are walking in darkness. And when the light of life is offered to them, they just say no. It's a great tragedy. In fact, it's why Jesus says in verse 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Why? 
Because when people begin to experience the agape of Jesus through us, the patience, the long-suffering, the unconditional compassion and mercy, even to the point that we love those who we consider to be enemies of ours, what does it do? It tenderizes their heart so that the seed of Jesus can get in and maybe new life comes to them and they experience agape. The third people, and this represents people I feel like God is just speaking to in our churches today. It's just those who are struggling. They believe, we believe, right? But they've suffered at the hands of other people. And in suffering again and again and again, their eyes have become darkened. And their eyes have moved from here. And all they can think about is, I just want to be loved. I just want to be accepted. I want someone to think I'm great. I just want to be loved, somebody! And they live in this place like, I'm in darkness. No one wants to be around me. Right? You know what that looks like. You know what it sounds like. You're like, I don't know what to do. Right? Because they're in this moment of walking in darkness. And in this place, I just want you to know I have unbelievable compassion. Like I say it this morning, I'm not looking down on anybody. Like if you knew my story, my life story is this story of wrestling through rejection for a good chunk of my life until it was a moment with the Lord. It was a season with the Lord. A really almost a 10-year stretch of God awakening me to this truth. Until all of a sudden one day I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this life existed. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Literally for about three years, all I ever prayed and sang all day long, all that I desire is just one thing, awaken love inside of me. 2 a.m., 2 a.m., one morning in India, God woke me up, sitting next to Randall. She didn't hear any of this, but I'm having this conversation with the Lord. And all of a sudden, I'm like, God, I just hate all these things about me. And I just, I'm struggling with rejection. God, I said, what do I do? And he just began to he just began to sing over me. When I say begin to sing over me, like I'm literally the chorus begins to go off, and I'm like, "What is this song? All that I desire is just one thing: awake and love inside of me. All that I desire." And as I sang it with the Lord, kind of not, not literally out loud because I was being nice to Randall because he was sleeping, right? But I'm like literally having this moment, and I'm singing, and I'm like weeping, I'm like all that I desire is just one thing: awake and love. I want the love of Jesus to be awakened. All that I desire, God, is just one thing: awake and love inside of me. I want a God play to overwhelm me. God, I want this truth to become the most great, the greatest truth I've ever. I've ever, ever understood God awaken this love. Like I felt it with the core of my being. All that I desire, God, is just one thing. Awaken love inside of me. And I'm telling you all, like I literally sang this to myself. It seemed, like I said, three years. It may have been longer. It may have been shorter. But it was all the time. All the time. Because God is for me. I want to read this, just tell you the story about this boy named Armand. I told the story several years ago at Advent, but I want to share it again. This beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story of God's affection and love to the story, true story of a father and son. In 1988, there was an earthquake in Armenia. And that day, and there were lots of people who were lost in this earthquake, and there's a story of Samuel, the dad, and Armand, the son. And so they had a great, it was a really great relationship, super, super tight relationship. And, and so 
Samuel would, made this promise to his son one day. He says, no matter what, I want you to hear these words, no matter what, I will always be here for you. No matter what. And I want you to think of the what, what the what could be, right? No matter what. You can think about all the things that happen between children and parents in the context of life. It's a lot of things. Millions of things, right? No matter what happens, I will always be there for you. So this one specific day, son goes off to school, earthquake happens, and everything, the whole school comes down and crashes right where they were. So Samuel finds, he find, the earthquake happens, he runs to the schools to find a pile of rubble. Story goes that he just began to dig. Began to dig. Firefighters told him to stop. All the other parents are just weeping, told him to stop. Every single person around him told him to stop. He began to, began to dig. Why? Because he made a promise to his son. No matter what, I will always be here for you. No matter what happens, I will always be here. So for eight hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours nonstop, he dug. In the 38th hour, he pulled back a boulder. And he heard a faint cry, help, help. Then you he heard a muffled voice say, Papa, Papa, is that you? Samuel realized it was Armand. He continued to dig so he could see his son and told him to climb out. Armand said, no, 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 let the other kids come out first because I know that you'll wait and get me. So the other kids began to, to, to pour out, right, every single one of them. Finally, Armand came out. Samuel grabbed him and took him into his arms. And Armand said, I told the other kids not to worry because my death's coming. I told the other kids, don't worry because my dad is coming. You see, when we talk about the story of rejection, like this is the answer. God is always coming. He didn't just arrive and then leave us there. He arrives every moment of every day with the nature of agape and the context of his love for us. He can't not do it because it is who he is. And when we live under the shadow of rejection, we are renouncing that truth and believing a lie saying, he's never coming. No one's ever coming. I am unwanted and I am unloved. God only wants to go to those people who are perfect and who are pretty and have all their stuff together. And no, he's saying, no, 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 no matter what, I will always be here for you. No matter what, I am always coming. And when we talk about Advent, and we talk about why Jesus came, this is the Advent. This is the story of arrival. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is the moment because God broke into time to awaken us from the shadow of rejection. Living in the enemy's camp, he came in, he crushed the power of the enemy. He broke the power of death and he broke the power of hell so that you would no longer have to live under the shadow of rejection ever again. It is a journey, but it begins, it begins in this moment Love, agape, is from God. I can know God because God loves me. All that I desire, God, is just one thing. Awaken love in me. All that I desire, God, is just one thing. Awaken love 
in me. His promise for us in verse 9, here at 1 John 4, He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live. Not survive. Live with the breath of God in and out of us where we live and we thrive and the presence like a flower before sun just opens up and lives. So do we as we put ourselves in the sun and the light of his presence. The arrival of love. Living as Jesus meant is not possible when we are crushed by rejection is only possible with the arrival of love into every area of your life. And today, today, Jesus says, we got this. It may be a journey for complete healing and restoration, but we can break the chains today and begin the process. Let's pray. Father, as we sit in this moment, God, you know there are a lot of things going on in our lives, a lot of thoughts, a lot of distractions, a lot of places where the enemy is very, very fearful because the enemy has held us in the chains of rejection so long that's really isolated us from other people, and he's winning. But I praise you, Jesus, and thank you that you will win. For your children, Father, you are a conquering warrior God who is just in all of your ways. And in your justice, you will not let your children live in defeat. So, Father, we pray today. We pray today for that movement of grace. Lord, we don't know what to do sometimes, but you do. So you move. While we were still sinners, lost in that, you died in middle way. Pray for us today, those who are struggling specifically, that you would bring them to a moment of grace, of breakthrough in their lives. Holy Spirit, come. I'm asking you just to stir afresh and anew. Pray, God, for just a gift of self-awareness this morning. Self-awareness simply being, hey, you coming in and speaking, saying, hey, I want you to be aware of something going on inside of you right here. See it? This is where we need to begin. And I invite you, Jesus, to do what you do, which is to come and to work in our lives in a very supernatural, perfect, and powerful way. So come. Have your way in us. This morning, I invite you to respond, as we always do. We have offering baskets here. This is simply our expression of worship and of love for Jesus with our finances. We'll have communion available. Communion is about us remembering the love of God and then celebrating still presence today for us. We'll have ministry teams available on both sides. When people get busy, others will come forward. These people simply just want to pray for you. They're not perfect. They have their own broken places, so they understand and identify with you. And they just want to come alongside and love you in the moment. So let's, let's just, almost like in a sense, like, man, they're just getting behind you on that, just behind you on that, uh, that bike and just kind of pushing you to get the journey started. 
So you respond as the Lord leads this morning. Let him have his way. I'll come back up here in a few minutes and I will pray us out. But respond in some way this morning. Let's just invite Jesus to do something new and unique and special.